0: Joining me on the line right now is the Health Minister, Natasha Files. Good morning to you, Minister. Good morning Katie, good morning listeners. Now um, Minister, last week we sadly learned the Northern Territory had seen our first COVID death, a woman in her 70s from the Binjari community. Uh, The Binjari elder, who authorities said had underlying health conditions and was not vaccinated, passed away in hospital after contracting the virus two weeks ago as cases spread in the Catherine region. Um, Minister, it was the news that we'd all hoped we would never hear here in the Northern Territory. Um, Now I understand and that a father of three who tested positive for COVID-19 remains in a very serious condition in Royal Darwin Hospital. Are you able to give us an update on
1: that, gentlemen? So, Katie, firstly, I'd just like to acknowledge the Binjari community and pay my respects on that elder passing. Very tragic news, and it shows our community how severe COVID is. We've done a great job keeping it out of the territory, but it is here and it can take your life. In terms of the gentleman, he is in intensive care, uh, I do need to respect his patient privacy, but I understand he's stable in intensive care uh, and we wish him and uh, are thinking of his family during this particularly difficult time and acknowledge those healthcare workers who are you know, doing everything to keep him comfortable and give him the best possible care.
0: Um, do we know whether he has been vaccinated?
1: Katie, I don't have those details. I'm happy to um, seek those. I'm heading into a full briefing with health uh, after this interview uh, and certainly provide that information but the vaccination is so important and uh, we for so long have not had COVID in our community so people may have been hesitant but I cannot stress about how important the vaccine is and how safe and effective it is. Um,
0: Can I ask are we expecting any further cases today?
1: So, Katie, we'll head into our briefing uh, once I finish speaking with yourself and and to your listeners, and uh, we'll be fully updated from not only health but also the Territory Controller, and then, as usual, uh, any information will be provided, uh, and uh, we can speak to the the community via the media after those full briefings. All right. Just overnight, get information, and that's all being consolidated and worked through.
0: Okay, well, we will wait for that update a little bit later this morning. Um, In some pretty significant news over the weekend, we know the Therapeutic Goods Administration Has provisionally approved the Pfizer vaccine as safe and effective for use amongst Australian children aged 5 to 11 years old. So, subject to final approvals, the Australian Government expects to start rolling that vaccine out to children from January 10 next year. Minister, what does that mean for Northern Territory children?
1: So in the Territory, we've responded as the vaccines have become available nationally. We have responded very quickly. We were the first jurisdiction to collapse the tranches around the vaccine. So we'll be ready to go to provide this vaccine to our children. I know many parents, myself included, are very keen to see our younger children vaccinated. We've seen an excellent uptake in those children aged 12 through to 15. But uh, certainly very keen to get that, particularly in the Territory, with such a young population overall, this will help us with our overall vaccination protection. Uh, So we'll be working with the Commonwealth to make sure it's available to Territory kids as soon as possible.
0: So any idea exactly when that may be able to happen from early next year?
1: So, Teddy, we'll work through this announcement. The Commonwealth, of course, we work closely with them uh, and have been. And we saw the Federal Health Minister announce this yesterday, and we we welcome that news off the back of the TGA. Uh, It'll work with ATAGI. They'll do that all-important batch testing. But I can't see why the Territory won't be uh, up there with every other jurisdiction in the delivery. We have been with the vaccine to date, and uh, we will be working hard Particularly ahead of the school year, Katie, there's an opportunity uh, if this vaccine, um, if everything goes to plan, as outlined by the Commonwealth, will be available from January 10th, which means children returning to school can potentially have one dose, if not be fully protected with the vaccine.
0: Now, um, I know that some parents listening are going to be feeling quite concerned about this and maybe even uneasy. Is that vaccine for our young children going to be
1: mandatory? So, Katie, in terms of the mandate of the vaccine, we've outlined those principles of who are required to have the vaccine, but we haven't uh, put that on children under 16 uh, in terms of the impact. It may have an impact on them quarantining as a family. We'll work through that with our health officials. But the Northern Territory, away from the COVID vaccine, has a very high rate of vaccinations. It's not uncommon for parents to have to provide proof of vaccine When they're enrolling children in childcare and school, for example, and if little ones um, have an accident, you know, their tetanus uh, immunisation is provided with the immunisation for chickenpox. So uh, this is another step in protecting our community.
0: When you said it may have an impact on being able to home quarantine, for example, um, do you anticipate that sort of from next year, if if kids aren't, aren't vaccinated as well, then maybe they won't be able to home quarantine?
1: So presently, for you to be eligible um, as part of that fully vaccinated home quarantine, you, everyone that's eligible to be vaccinated needs to be vaccinated. And so what I'm saying is that would perhaps be the only impact. We haven't mandated the vaccine for under-16s. We don't want under-16s to miss out because their parents might be making a choice. Uh, but I certainly know that the young people I speak to um, in those younger teenagers, they're very keen to be vaccinated. They've seen life severely interrupted from school camps and excursions and sports so we'll just work through with our officials the best way to protect our community
0: but certainly by the sounds of it um, like you'd said there um, in terms of home quarantining everybody that is eligible to be vaccinated needs to be um, if you do want to home quarantine so presumably from early next year if uh, if children from aged five to uh, eleven are then eligible it will be the case
1: So, Katie, this announcement was made yesterday. We'll work through that with our officials and make sure that um, people have that information ahead of time. But the current um, posture is that people need to be, everyone eligible needs to be fully vaccinated to um, receive those benefits of the, the fully vaccinated as opposed to those mandatory quarantine aspects.
0: Now, over the weekend, we know that we had another escapee from Howard Springs. As I understand it, he's been located uh, following on from, from getting out of the Centre for National Resilience. But in Alice Springs, there was another man who apparently scaled the fence, I think, or got out uh, from his hotel balcony in Alice. Has he been located
1: yet? So, Katie, he hasn't been yet, and his behaviour absconding from that facility is completely unacceptable. It's selfish. He's potentially putting our community at risk. Uh, And so police are handling this matter, uh, and I believe he'll face a a police breach notice, uh, potentially a fine, and there could be other penalties he could face. So it is not acceptable. We know that quarantine can be difficult. We've got a number of supports within those facilities to help people. Across the whole, we've seen people comply uh, and it's incredibly disappointing the behaviour of this individual. Well, what is going to happen to try to stop people
0: from actually doing this? Because over the course of the week, um, six, I believe it is, uh, it takes us to in one week. I mean, what can we do here to try and stop this p- from happening? Because potentially it does put the community at a much greater risk.
1: So the role that Springs has been in keeping Australians and Territory safe over 20 months has constantly evolved and it certainly has got a good track record what we have had is some challenges uh, particularly over the past couple of weeks we recognize that there's a culturally very different group um, that we have uh, in cnr and so for some of them that is a big culture shock and we've we've provided them with as much support as we can and these challenges we constantly evolve we adapt we look at what we're doing and how we can deliver Care not only for those individuals, it's not a prison, it is a quarantine facility, but also keep the broader community safe in terms of how it brings. So it's it's adapted and evolved and it will continue to do so.
0: Do you think we can continue to call it the Centre for Gold Standard if we have got people absconding?
1: So Katie, there has not been a single case of COVID escaping that facility and entering the community since the start of the pandemic. It has, as I just outlined, for 20 months kept not only territory and safe, but being an avenue for many people to come home. We, as, as I've outlined, it has been a challenge and we look at what we've done in terms of providing care for these individuals who are close contacts and infected away from a hospital setting. Remote communities are difficult because, as we've seen, people can deteriorate quickly and having them close to our hospital is important. But we'll just work through these challenges and make sure we continue to deliver safe care and keep the broader community
0: Now, Minister, I'm mindful of time, but I do just want to get through a couple of other things. I know uh, one of those changes that we learned about last week was that South Australia has been declared a red zone. Uh, Those who are vaccinated but arrive from SA will be required to undertake seven days home quarantine on their arrival with additional testing requirements. Uh, We do know that the plan is that from December 20, anyone who's vaccinated is going to be able to come to the NT from interstate or overseas. Um, I know that a lot of our listeners are obviously planning on traveling at Christmas and it's something that I get pulled up about all the time um is it still going to be like what is going to happen if you travel interstate from December 20 and a red zone is declared like we've seen in South Australia
1: So, Katie, just before I answer that question, the Territory's at 95% first rate vaccination and 89% fully vaccinated. And that vaccination level allows us to have more options than we previously have. So, as we've clearly outlined, from December 20, if you're fully vaccinated, you can return to the Northern Territory from what are currently known as red zones without having to quarantine. And I can't see us stepping away from that. The Chief Minister has made that quite clear. Uh, There will be a testing regime We want to know where the disease is and we want to catch it before it's a risk to our community. But we feel we can do that through testing, uh, not having to quarantine people.
0: All right. So no matter what, basically from December 20 at this point, uh, we are still forging ahead with those plans that if you're double vaccinated, even if you come back from a red zone, you're not going to have to home quarantine, but you will have to do that testing.
1: Correct, Katie. We've listened to the health advice all the way along. It has kept our community safe. We're not going to fall over at this final hurdle. We'll continue to listen to the health advice, but we, in planning for these changes, we've been, you know, we know the risk that there'll be COVID. We can't base geographical locations because, you know, the rest of Australia is opening up and we need to be a part of that but we can protect our community through vaccination and
0: testing. All right. So just on that, what happens if you are vaccinated but happen to pick up COVID upon returning? So let's say that, um, you know, that you are in your home and you happen to to pick up uh, COVID, um, you know, somewhere, but you've got it while you're in home when one of those tests does come back. Will you be able to then stay home and quarantine at home or will you have to go into the Centre for National Resilience?
1: So, Katie, this is one of the issues that we've been working through. As we expect to see COVID more prevalent in our community and we go from a pandemic to an endemic, we will have people that will test positive and they may want to stay in their own home. We need to assess, is there a risk to the broader community and what's the best care that we can give them? So our health teams are working through with our officials how we can allow for that going forward. Uh, Sometimes people do need um, a more intense level of care. They might not be in an appropriate Home, they might be putting other people at risk. So we'll just work through that uh, and make sure that we protect our community and provide that care as appropriate.
0: Alright, before I let you go this morning, uh, we are due to speak to the United Voice, uh, the union which represents our childcare workers after details emerged that Irene Billius was made redundant from the Nightcliffe Family Centre after 33 years because she doesn't have a university degree. Um, I know that uh, both your children and also my children went to that centre. She's certainly a stalwart at that centre. Um, what was your reaction when you found out about this news. So we've seen
1: childcare change over the decades, and we do have the federal government system that aims to provide high quality care across Australia, and it's standardised. And um, of course, Irene, you know, has cared for my children, and, and many within our community. She's caring for the children of those children now. So, of course, for her personally, this is incredibly devastating. Katie, I'm not across the, the details, and I'm sure Erin um, Early from United Voice will be able to, to provide that to you. Uh, It's obviously a change in the systems nationally where we have uh, different standards and as a parent I want to see that but at the same time I think that that the love and care that individuals provide somehow needs to be accounted for.
0: Well yeah look I'm being inundated with messages already this morning about this. I think that there's a lot of really upset people and a lot of people sort of going "All right, we understand um, that a university degree is obviously very important but uh, how do you put a price or how do you put a value on um, somebody with thirty
1: 33 years of experience. Okay, yeah, this is a challenging time uh, and as this child care centre is, is in my community, um, I feel that I'll, I'll leave my comments there, but I certainly acknowledge and thank Irene for everything she's done for me personally and for our community and uh, I hope that this can be worked through.
0: All right, Minister for Health, uh, Natasha Files, we always appreciate your time. Thank you for the late call up this morning.
1: Thanks, Katie.